1: And a secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard
2: against the military industrial conflict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth!
1: The questions you always had.
0: The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth.
1: Welcome to Veritas. Headline edition July 8th, 1947 Make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making our truth journey a reality. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to all segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. And have you stopped by our sponsors page? This is a great way to help Veritas advertise your product or service. And for the listeners to also know that our members and sponsors are the ones make it possible that we release one segment of every show for free so please visit our website and support our sponsors and for mms our usb drives with all of our seasons and bonus material and now phyto vitamins where you can feel the difference visit our test store and to get in touch with us for member support media inquiries you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower There's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at VeritasRadio.com. More and more Americans are coming to feel that something has gone fundamentally wrong in our society. We have suffered repetitive wars, big and small. Some won and some lost, but with the peace always lost. Our society has been drained of around $9 trillion in welfare costs since LBJ's war on poverty was declared, but with no diminution in the incidence of quote-unquote poverty. Our quote-unquote war on drugs has also been lost, with its societal cost running around $500 billion per year. The cost of fixes for runaway environmentalism has reached about $1 trillion since the birth of the EPA in 1970. Our national debt is almost $17 trillion, and still going up. Two breadwinners per family has become normal, just to keep bread on the table. Americans feel put upon, and they are right, but they don't know who's doing it to them or why. Such issues have been pondered by researchers for many years, but the historical facts are finally bringing the pieces of the puzzle together. Tonight's guest paints a picture of that largely completed puzzle, and will lay out who the culprits are, why they are doing what they are doing, and how they are managing to pull off what is probably the biggest mass robbery of wealth and individual freedom in human history. Tonight's interview will help to expose and stop the destruction and help to guarantee a future of freedom rather than slavery for our children. For this and much more, Alan B. Jones Is tonight's special guest. Right now on Veritas.
0: This is F. William Engdahl, and you're listening to Veritas.
1: Alan B. Jones is a recently retired electrical engineer, having worked for a major U.S. manufacturing firm for over 40 years. He was, quote unquote, bitten by the political bug back in the Goldwater days and once ran for office himself for state senator on a third party ticket, but has not otherwise been in the public spotlight. He has poured his whole life of political awareness into helping the new generation get up to speed faster for the good of the whole country. He believes that his research can serve as an outline for action or a platform for the political parties old and new. He is the author of many books, including How the World Really Works, which will be the focus of tonight's discussion. And for the first time on Veritas, I would like to welcome the author of How the World Really Works, Alan B. Jones. Hello, Mr. Jones, and welcome to Veritas. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm just fine, thank you.
1: I'm glad to have you on. And before we started the show, just so that the audience knows, we record this show before. It's not live, and it just so happened in the past few minutes, I've heard that the military in Egypt... Uh, There has been a coup d'etat, a positive coup d'etat, in my opinion, in Egypt where President Morsi has has to step aside and now the Supreme Court justice has taken over the presidency uh, as an interim president. I know that we haven't discussed this uh, prior to the interview, Mr. Jones. May I call you Alan, by the way? Certainly what's your take on what has been happening in Egypt? Uh, We'll discuss your book in a few minutes, but I'm interested to know because about a year ago or more, I spoke with another researcher who happens to be Egyptian, and he was very happy to see Hosni Mubarak gone. But what I told him was, you know, I don't like the dictatorship. I don't like the fact that he has been pocketing billions of dollars from the United States, but it's the devil we know. What about the Muslim Brotherhood and the fact that we don't know them? What's your take on all of this?
0: Well, I think uh, from uh, the point of view of us in the United States, uh, as a matter of fact, the point of view of most of the rest of the world, Uh, We have to put the events, any one event like this where a a coup is happening or a change of regime is occurring, who benefits uh, is the question always. And therefore, you're maybe led to more information uh, about uh, uh, how this thing came about. Uh, The Muslim Brotherhood, for example, is. Uh, it is probably one of the, the big enemies of Israel, uh, and uh, so, so one of the questions that I would ask is Israel being our alleged best friend, and so forth. Why? What are they getting out of this change? Uh, and uh, and we don't know that yet. I don't think about uh, uh, who the uh, the man who is the least. Uh, even a temporary leader of the country what is he going to do with respect to the uh, to the other people around the Middle East and the United states and, and what is his position going to be uh, b- regarding those conflicts we don't know yet
1: well at, at one point when this all started uh you know, there were people on the ground looking at the smoke bombs and some of the weapons being used by police saying, made in the USA. So I know the people there were upset from the beginning, but they they, they thought that we were trying to help change, exert a regime change, get Mubarak out, which is what they wanted during the Arab Spring. But now they realize that, that was not what they really wanted. They want to go back in essence to to more of a moderate situation. They want to bring tourism back. The economy is not improving. It's going down in a downward spiral because people, uh, a lot of people are not going back to Egypt. What do you think is going to happen from this point on if the military has taken over?
0: Uh, that is so difficult to guess. I, I don't know. Just the idea of wanting to have a non uh, or, or desiring let us say to have a sectarian type government is I think is a, is a good move for any one of the countries back there particularly even Syria or Turkey uh, both when they uh, end up with somebody who is a Shiite clearly or a Sunni clearly uh, then there's going to be conflict and uh, how this? I cannot. I cannot guess how this is going to happen and what is going to happen in the short term uh, in uh, in
1: Egypt. Uh, and in a way, I think this is actually happening in in uh, Turkey with uh, President Erdogan. They want to change the country from a secular country regime into a sectarian or a theocracy. Isn't that what's happening there? And, you know, we look at Syria. You had the Sunnis and the Shiites, but the, the Assad, uh, many people like him there. And he's an Alawite. So he seems, his regime seems to be protecting all religions. You know, the, the Jews that are there, the Christians that are there, but the rebels seem to be the ones that are slaughtering the rest.
0: Uh, the the rebels are uh, not uh, homegrown rebels at all. Right. They're outsiders who are uh, who are attacking Sadat, uh, uh, the uh, his regime uh, in uh, Syria, uh, because that's part of the, the a a larger effort. Uh, to, <laughs> Uh, I think again we go back to uh, Israel, who, who, which has uh, s- stated their desire to uh, to uh, be dominant uh, over that whole Middle East area, and uh, the people who are standing in their way are are the ones who are presently being attacked. And so it includes Syria, then finally Iran, uh, and uh, that is, is a is a is a second major step goal which I hope. Just the hope to God we manage to keep out of.
1: Do you think? In some people may think that I'm I'm not. By saying this, but do you think Israel wants to keep the region in an unstable in an unstable way, so that they can continue receiving the, the military help and all the billions of dollars that they get every year from us?
0: Uh. They are using all the the money and military help uh, from us exactly for the purpose of uh, eventually being uh, militarily and therefore in every other way dominant uh, in that uh, Middle East. Uh, uh, The Arab groups are on to their game, of course, because Israel doesn't keep this... One bit secret, uh, except possibly from uh, the American public. Uh, but, uh, you know, they have uh, their, thing, their goal is something they call Eretz Israel, uh, which is, in fact, to dominate or to run, you know, that whole uh, region. And they're just doing the things that they believe they have to do in order to get to that point. And militarily speaking, why they have accomplished a lot of their goals. They are clearly the strongest military, uh, right now, but, but they can't just use it willy nilly. They have to tiptoe around and get other people to do their bad work for them on the edges and all that. So they hire these, uh, uh, and, and we are helping them too. We are hiring, uh, people who are, uh, even unto al-Qaeda, those kind of people, just uh, people that they can get from anywhere, arm them, send them into the place that they want to attack, and they attack. And Assad uh, sees them coming, and he knows what's going on, and so forth. And uh, so long as we've managed to keep these uh, uh, paid uh, fighters uh, without heavy uh, arms, why Assad will have his uh, his way. He he will beat them down, and and then uh, if we give up on trying to overthrow him right uh, right now and stop arming these uh, mercenaries and all that, why Assad can get his country back again and get it on a square footing and start rebuilding it and getting keeping on going the way that he always wanted. If he runs a secular. Kind of, but I'll say this: country is it's not bad at all. We, 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 the people of the United States, could get along with it pretty well. But we are not in control of our own destinies in this country. So,
1: and that's going to be, I think, the subject of tonight's show: how we are not, we're no longer in charge. But one last thing about Syria: I just wonder, look at Libya, and we can do an entire show of what happened in Libya. That was a a benevolent dictator who was there, and he he treated his people well, and there's a lot of information that's not being released here. But with with Syria, look at all these countries, uh, Egypt and Tunisia. Why hasn't Syria fallen already? Is it because they have Russia behind them and even China?
0: Well, I think that there are plenty of people in our own Pentagon who are are very leery of, uh, of, of charging in to uh, Syria with heavy weapons and so forth. The thing about Syria, Syria has a, a naval base which belongs to Russia, and if we set about to to, to upset Syria, uh, then Russia is 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 is, is directly impacted. And we then are starting uh, a serious argument with somebody else who's got just as many nuclear weapons as we do. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a, a dead man's game. It's bad.
1: And how about Iran with their new, okay, the issue Israel had recently was with uh, Iran and mostly with Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. He's gone now. Supposedly, there's a more moderate uh, leader now, although they're just puppets because the mullahs are the ones who really are in charge of the country. What is the, the, Is there a difference between the new leader and how things will pan out between Iran and Israel and the world?
0: I would say the change that has occurred in this, the last election in Iran is going to have practically no effect. To our relationships with the rest of the world and all of their relations, as you as you point out, their policies are not directed by the guy who is uh, like Ahmadinejad or this new man, uh, but rather by one of the ayatollahs behind them, and they uh, uh, even unto developing nuclear weapons. If in fact Iran uh, is, is uh, Sort of tooling up to, to come so very close to that kind of a thing, uh, then that is done at the uh, behest of the people who are the real rulers of Iran. Uh, and uh, you, one might ask a question: uh, why would, let's say, let's take a look at the guy who is uh, really running sh- the show over there. Uh, and and uh, if, if he wants, uh, to have a nuclear weapon, why? Why would he want to have a nuclear weapon? Well, he, he would equalize the playing field then with Israel, who he recognizes as the prime enemy or the prime person who was trying to do him in. And uh, if they were in fact equalized, then I would just, I would, I would, I would guess that the uh, situation would be uh, rather, uh, instead, instead of uh, becoming more dangerous, it becomes less dangerous. It's more stabilized. That is to say, we had a very a cold war with Russia for many years, and we were both armed to the teeth. But we all saw that neither one of us could ever uh, win such a war as that. Everybody would get destroyed, and so we, so the thing is stable. If, if now if just one of us had and particularly if, if uh, Russia had nuclear weapons and we didn't then I think we would have been done in a long time ago if we have the nuclear weapons and they don't well then we uh, were brought up in a uh, form of society that says hey, hey uh, we don't go around killing people just willy nilly